And I keep hearing that, you know, it's getting better and it's going to take the place of screen printing and that, you know, the quality and the customer service and the maintenance is going to get uh, easier. And it's just, why? If it's not broken, don't fix it. Squeegeeing Inc. Podcast Season 2. This podcast is sponsored by Blind Maggot, Magna Colors, Screen Print World, Target Transfers, and Adobe Creative Suite. Well, yeah, my name is Gustavo Gonzalez. Uh, everybody calls me Goose. I am the owner of Gooseworks Screen Printing Studio here in Houston, Texas. We've been here for four and a half years. Uh, I personally have uh, about 10 years of uh, screen printing experience and just happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invite, reaching out. No problem. Yeah, I just really liked your social media and um, I like your approach. It's very like natural and you kind of like bring people in and make them feel comfortable in your videos really quickly. That's why I yeah, really wanted to get you on and talk about that type of stuff. Um, so like, what was your first experience in screen printing? Like when did you, first, did you ever pick up a squeegee or did you work for someone else originally or how did you get into it? Um, basically I just had an idea for a t-shirt one day and, um, I've always been into all sorts of different media and, and arts, uh, you know, just painting, drawing, sculpting since I was a little kid. And then when I had that t-shirt idea, I, thought, you know, how hard can it be to screen print? So I just went, did some research, watched uh, a few tutorials and went to my local uh, art supply store and bought that overpriced little speedball contraption yeah. that, you know, I uh, had set up on my, my ironing board in my apartment at the time. And I figured out how to do it. And uh, that was, that was kind of the beginning of screen printing for me because I loved it so much because it was a great combination of digital art and just hands-on approach. Mm. And, uh, but I don't think I really expected it to, to get to this level. So it amazes me how I've gotten away with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, this, might be, this might be a complete reach, but when I was watching your videos, I've noticed that you're using like quite a lot of the same like music things. So you might be inspired by like the 80s and 90s, like Mario Kart and that like video games and that type of thing. Is that just coincidence or like, are they creative inspirations for you? Or <laughs> that might just be a complete reach. <laughs> the music? Yeah, like the music and like nostalgia and like mm -hmm. maybe that kind of, that kind of aesthetic seems to be like running through your stuff, but it might just be coincidence. No, I mean, I guess in a sense, it's just, it's all a bit of a reflection of who I am, right? So if you see uh, classic rock music, it's because I love it. If you hear Kasabian in it, it's because I love it. Mm -hmm. um, and it also kind of just to tie it into what the video is. For instance, we did a, we printed for a brewery a few hours from here, close to Austin, and uh, they're called Cassette. <laughs> Cassette Brewing Company, and their whole vibe is just 90s memorabilia mm. and stuff. So we added Hanson Mbop song to that, <laughs> just kind of, you know, make it all just uh, complement itself. I don't, I don't, um, you know, there's some songs that I can really yeah. listen to. It, it works for the video. Yeah. I really like this tactic that you've got, and it might just be a recent thing, even in the last few days and stuff, where you where you're like 
actively interviewing your customers and getting them to speak about like their experience with you. But it's also cross promotion, isn't it? Like, how yeah. have you like started doing that, and how how comfortable are they on the camera doing working with you like that? They're pretty comfortable. I'm. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but it's a. They're all just one take, and it's just unscripted, and we just go with it. And then sometimes, right when I'm about to start, I'm like, "Oh my god, where? What am I going to say?" But I just start going with it, and then you know, through the magic of some minor editing, we make it look a lot better than it actually was. Um, yeah. But there's they're great to. It's it's clients that I kind of know. Uh, I feel would be more inclined to doing it, and uh, that I that I've known for a little over a year or so, however long I've been working with them. And I just asked them, would you be okay doing this? And uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about the work that we do for them and why they like it so much. And uh, also just give them a chance to advertise some sort of event or just talk a little bit about themselves. And I feel like it's, it's been fun. I, uh, you know, when I do these things, I don't expect them to go, incredibly viral or any of that it's just fun <laughs> yeah i think that that guy you did recently and he's got like five businesses and he's got like the beer house like the dance place all of those types of things he seems like a little bit of a marketing genius like doing all these different theme nights and i'm thinking god i could take a little bit of theme nights and work it into something that i'm doing but it seems like yes pretty clever so you know if we entertain people by the little three minute segment of shooting the shirt. And if we inspire other people to in one way or another, then yeah, then I guess it's doing its job, whatever that job is. Yeah. <laughs> You're quite humble about it, but like, what is, what's the purpose of like the YouTube videos, like the ones where you're showing people like how to cut a screen or how to do the reclaim and stuff like that. Is that um, with something else in mind where you're like, developing that side of the business in education or is it just purely fun or how, it, how are you? Both. I mean, whatever I end up doing, I just make sure that it's fun um, <laughs> to enjoy it, have fun with it. And uh, also educational. I know it, uh, for instance, we have a video that kind of gives you the full rundown of the ordering process, everything mm. from like what we received the email to, you know, burning the screens setting it up, printing it and the uh, packaging. So that I find it's been very helpful that when it comes to new clients, either send them that link or mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they just searched screen printing and then they saw our video and they end up reaching out to us and we end up working with them. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of both educational, entertaining. Um, yeah. It probably makes your day a lot easier because if someone just constantly asking you stupid questions, like I've had it today, like how much <laughs> for shirts? And and then I'm like, oh, for God's sake. But for me, they're like, how how big can can I print on the shirt? And you're like, well, how big do you want to print? Like, yeah. Ugh. And then I'm like, give me a centimeters width. And they're like, oh, big. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> well, about tw 29 centimeters. Is that big? Oh. And they're like, they're like a little bit bigger and I'm like, I want to rip my eyes out. And you're like, yeah. I can't, like my level of, I'm like, give me a number. Patience. But yeah, my patience is gone down you, to a no. Yeah. 
Yes. Especially when they catch you on the on an off day, right? Mm. When you're just not having it. And they're like, so <laughs> your shirts. And it's like, what can you give me more information? Please. Yeah. Look yeah. graphic. Anything? No. Yeah. So it's uh I'm glad to see do that you, Do you ever feel like just saying $30 a shirt? And then like Oh yeah. What are you doing with that information now? You know it's thirty dollars a shirt. Yeah, I have my. Uh, I don't want to do it pricing. <laughs> yeah. In the yeah. sense, which is a little bit above retail, but if it's just definitely something that is just still not, uh, you know, doable for you know, I'm sure you also get the six t-shirts, uh, eight color print, and they only want you know those six, and they need them in two days, but they're gonna come back. And they're going to mm. order more, right? <laughs> so yeah, I'm just yeah. Like, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> I can either point so, in the right direction or just don't do it. Yeah, exactly. But like, I've noticed like two or three of your customers are like these beer houses or breweries. Is that mm-hmm. your ideal customer, do you reckon? It sort of became uh, a great niche for us. Um, mm. We started with one brewery in particular called Eureka Heights, which is actually I entered the first episode of my shooting the shirt videos was yes. with him either the marketing guy and my good friend evan um and he has been great about spreading the word and sending new breweries our way and uh it's also helped us use them as kind of a you know credit saying like hey we we've been printing for eureka for for this long how can we you know facilitate things for you as well and uh, it's it's been great. We also joined the uh, the Texas Craft Brewers Guild, which right. is a, a, a great organization that kind of uh, guides breweries throughout the process of just getting getting started and actually you know, once they're established, how to navigate through legal uh, you know uh, troubles that may arise. Not legal troubles, but like. You know, permitting and mm. stuff like that that has to do with the city the, in order to get them operational. Um, and that has been a great platform for us to reach out uh, or, or be seen by other breweries in Texas. And uh, we actually just came from a, the, they call it the Texas Brewery Roundup. And uh, we just came from that this weekend. We met a lot of cool people and uh, we were printing on site there which was uh, a great yeah. fun. And uh, yeah, breweries just, I don't know. We love them. They love us. And then when they pick up their orders, they drop a case or two there. Yeah. yeah. No, I just, I try to quit and it just won't let me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I found that as well, that they're incredibly ideal customer, especially as like the craft beer scene explodes and um, they even become their own little like micro brands where you would never have like, our our very basic beer is like um i don't know it, over there it'd be like bud light or something we've got like fosters right. no one's walking around with a fosters t-shirt on because it's too right. like mainstream but with right. all these microbreweries you're seeing them as like they've just got little logos and you can't even tell what the brewery is anymore so it's like really cool it looks like a streetwear brand like it's got to that yeah. level yeah yes like that's uh mm. we do quite a bit of that for breweries make it look more not just like a billboard of their brewery printed on the shirt, mm. but you know, they try to make it fun uh, yeah. and interesting for their clientele. Do you also print for breweries then? I have done, yeah. 
Um, now I'm more printing for myself, but we're still collaborating with breweries. So okay. we do things like um, in a few weeks where, no, no, on Friday. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> All God. my days oh, are mushed God. into one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working weekends at the moment. So like uh, all my weeks are just one big blur. But on Friday, mm-hmm. we've got a party and we're doing like a collaboration beer with a brewery. They're mm-hmm. just putting our, our, our graphics and logo on the beer. And then it just looks cool, you know, um, having that type of thing at the party. So mm-hmm. done that a few times. And then you print the design on shirts and then you kind of like move it forward and cross promote each other. Yeah, it seems like a really good good thing to do. You could have Gooseworks beer, couldn't you? Because those oh, yeah. breweries. Yeah. yeah. I'm still don't be surprised if you see it by the end of this year. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They're so open to collaborating, these these breweries, because I think it's on par with printing a very complicated like eight color shirt is quite mm-hmm. on par with making a beer. So it's just a collaboration process, isn't it? So yeah, hmm. that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I could see, I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what I noticed with one of the breweries when you were interviewing him, he was like saying, "Yeah, we've got foil with them, we've got glow in the dark with them, we've got all these different things." Like, how have you, like, have you introduced him to those special techniques, or was he like trying to push you to do advanced things? No, it was um whenever he comes in and pick and picks orders up, um I like to show them new things that we've worked on recently. Mm. Um and also they're really they're great about sending me their artwork and like, hey, this is what the graphic is. Um uh, how can you just you know upscale it? Right. And that's when things like the color changing ink come into play, mm-hmm. um, which they did. We used that for a beer release of theirs called Something Light, which is a very low calorie beer. And we we incorporated incorporated excuse me that uh, color changing ink when the sunlight hits it, it says light, and then there the word something uh. always you know always visible and printed on normal ink. So the name of the beer is something light, but when the sunlight hits it, nice. do the light part. And they loved it. Yeah. Because that's like yeah. beyond a gimmick, isn't it? Because you really put it into the purpose of the illustration. That's really clever. Yeah. No, we try to be clever with it and not just, you know, include them for the sake of including them. Just like the uh, upscaling things in a, in a way that makes more sense. And it uh, boosts the whole graphic or whatever they're trying to achieve yeah that must be really cool because they're asking you to elevate it and actually like treating you like a craftsperson instead of just like push this job through get it done by thursday that type of thing so hmm, right that seems, yes. that seems pretty cool um yeah. can you talk to me about your equipment choices and things because i see you, you're kind of leaning towards like rock type of things like yeah. where did you have you experienced other other manufacturers before that or were you always like attracted to rock? Yeah, it's funny. I bought the rock without ever having working on one, without working on one before. And I just I saw it and I could tell right away that it was geared more towards the craft end of screen printing. All right. Versus the MNR, Anatol, and what other one was it? K 
can't well, remember. Of course. Um, uh, yes. And I've worked on those before. And I remember, remember just not liking them. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I love the way it looks. I love how quiet it is, how just easy it is to set up a job and tear it down. And yeah, it just, it just made sense. What makes it more crafts, like geared towards craft um, printing? Because I've never had anyone say like that before. Like, are there like features on it that appeal to you or like, what is it about it? It just, pretty um how can i say this like intuitive when you're mm. and not complicated at all to set up uh the job lining up the screen even things as simple as loading the squeegee and the flood bar it's just mm. I, don't, I don't i haven't worked with the other brands for a while now so i can't remember exactly what it was that i couldn't stand about it but there's just little things that that they do yeah. that rock has that just makes it way simpler and just makes you think like okay this this makes perfect sense do you reckon it's like uh using a macbook over a pc or something like it's like yeah, brand that's user experience that. hmm. okay yeah because they cool. both get the same job done right but yeah you prefer one you're you're one you're more in sync in sync with another one versus the other yeah so yeah that's a good way to put it yeah and then, like, what kind of um, ink choices and that type of thing are you using? Because you're in, like, Texas, right? Isn't it, like, crazy hot at the moment over in Texas? Like, is, are you having, like, a mega different. heat wave? Like, yes. It's been a, a rough uh, last few weeks. We even switched our schedule from 6 in the morning to 2 p.m. two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. We did that for, for a little over a week. And now, last week and this one, we're doing 73. Because 6 was a little... Oh uh, a little too early for us to close because then clients didn't have as much time to pick up their orders. So now we're doing seven to three. And uh, it definitely makes it challenging sometimes because if you've seen in our videos, our press is right by the bay door, which is mm. uh, for the most part of the day open. So it does uh, cause some, you know, sticky situations on the screens, depending on the job we're printing. Yeah. But for the most part, uh, we're printing plastisol ink, and we do some uh, water-based printing as well, discharging stuff. Sometimes a combination where we discharge the underbase, print plastisol on top, and uh, yeah, because we only have a, a the four uh, color rock, so right. in some cases it's still challenging to print a full color image. Mm. Um, yeah, sometimes the stuff that we do with that four color press is amazes me right so you're doing an underbase with one of your colors and then are you just doing like sim process to get the more range of colors or are you just yeah you are okay cool yeah. well, like, are you are you doing all those separations yourself or are you doing are you using like software or anything uh when they're really complicated i outsource them to okay. a graphic course and yeah. uh, sometimes when it's a simple like how do I get an orange out of this design that mm. has yellow and red already? Obviously, you just have to turn it on top of each other, and there you go. Yeah. So in some cases, I do it myself, but when it gets too complicated, I just yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that you're you're using like you haven't just like gone to one camp of like plaster or water based. Like you're a little bit like us because we've got 
you know, we've got three different walls of ink, <laughs> like for all the different processes and stuff. Like, well, yeah, you know, like the we've got paper and graphic stuff oh, over there. Oh, you did those things too. That's right. Yeah, and we've got the parcel there and the water base there and solvents down there. <laughs> we've got like everything. I just, I think maybe I'm just a hoarder and I can't get rid yeah. of them. But, but like, so, yeah. Yeah. Say say if you were doing a shirt for yourself and you were doing like the best shirt that you can physically make, where would you go for it? Would you be like thinking about the softness of it or would you go to Plaston for vibrancy or like what would you ideally do? Um, I want to say it would depend on the graphic, maybe. OK. Yeah. What about... Um, See, so you're not really going for feel. You're going for the look and the vibrancy. In some cases, I see where you're getting at. Uh, yeah. But yeah, water base is it, it delivers, I think, a better product. Um, okay. If it's um, you know, like something for for an apparel brand, I guess that can mm -hmm. give you a better result. But then again, some people don't like how it kind of not fades, but you know what I mean, how it kind of blends into yeah. the fabric. Versus yeah. the this all super vibrant brand. And preference. Mine would probably be water-based. Yeah. But like that isn't that why you're doing um discharge under base with plaster on top to kind of get like best of both worlds with like softness and like vibrancy. Is that where you're going with that? For that and also so we don't have to we eliminate having to go twice around on the press, mm. getting the white plastic all twice. So that's yeah. why we can do a hybrid in some cases. Did you have to do a lot of trial and error to figure that out? Or is it like, do you ever manage to set aside a part of the day to figure out things like foils and underbases? Or is it just experience through all your jobs for over the last 10 yeah. years? You see these wrinkles? <laughs> I can't right actually. Oil printing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a lot of trial and error. Um, just doing as much as much research as as you can, and uh, contacting the distributors, seeing what what tips they have, and just also, uh, you know, other other friends in the industry, mm -hmm. what they yeah. recommend, and we're a lot more comfortable with it now. Okay, cool. So you're quite close with your. Are you close with your nearest screen print studios, or are you finding that your friends in other print shops are further away, so they're not like so much competitors like down the road? How are um, you finding that? No, not not really. Uh, there is a print shop uh, down on our same street, just a few minutes in that direction. Beside Impress, and also mm -hmm. have you heard of Night Owls? Yeah, it's they're huge. Yeah, yeah. Their goals in terms of like how you want to execute a print for sure. Uh, and they're also a few uh, miles down the road. And, and yeah, they've been great about sharing some knowledge. Of course, I don't expect them to just straight up just, you know, give me their little black book of secrets, right? Because that's just not, you know, I also want to learn it on my own. And it's, it's my, uh, you know, their research and development throughout the years. I don't expect them to just cough it up like that. But they, in some cases, they they have been good about like, hey, no, maybe try it like this. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah. yeah. And like, it's good to have shops around because sometimes they're just giving away some, well, not giving away, but they sell equipment on the cheap and they just need it out of the way. And you're like, yes, I'll have that. That's an yeah. upgrade for where I'm at. And then for them, yeah. it's like, you know, yeah. yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering, like, do you, for your like advertising and stuff, have you been kind of guided towards doing your like um, in-person interviews and things to drum up more business? Or do you already have like a natural stream of like local customers coming in and finding you? Um, for advertising, we've, well, I find it a lot more beneficial to become a sponsor in certain local events. All right. Okay. Um, and so we have like what we call a collaboration discount or sponsor discount where if we, yeah, it works out great. If, you know, we print their shirts, we'll give them a discount if we print our logo on the back of the shirt or on the sleeve or whatever versus going in for Google ads or Facebook ads, mm. or, you know, that end up uh, coming back with people saying like, Hey, can you print two shirts of my cat? Cause yeah. it's coming up or something. Right. So that that's happened with Google ads. So I don't use that anymore. And <laughs> yeah, we'd like to become more involved with the community through things like that, like sponsoring the chili cook off that the brewery is putting together mm. or uh, we work with the city. Also, they have this thing called make music day. And uh, as you know, the cultural affairs of the city and we print their staff shirts and the giveaways and print our logo on the back, give them a discount uh, and other things like that, that just make it more, um, how do I say this, just ties you closer to, to the community, which I believe is very important. Yeah. I, that, this is like something that I'm like kind of brainstorming and thinking about a lot now because I've gone into a slightly different sector. We're kind of like moving into retail, which isn't something that I've done before. And mm-hmm. I can't rely on the things that used to work for me, like educational videos and things, because okay. the people in the town walking around aren't looking at my videos. So okay. I'm thinking about doing more outreach like that. But that seems really smart because... You're not really like giving money to them to sponsor them, or or you might be, but you're saying you're sponsoring the group by putting your logo on and then giving them a discount. So then you're yeah. not actually have to outlay the cash, but it's still sponsorship. That sounds right. really really smart. Yeah. Yeah, because then it gets your name out there in a different way. Like you said, you know, there you, there might be people that you want to work for that don't know about you through Instagram or anything like that. Mm. But when they see you, that you were a part of whatever music festival, which you being over there do not have a problem with whatsoever. So um, (laughs) it's doing things like that or setting up at, you know, pop-up markets. Like uh, that's actually how I started and how I linked up with the guys from Eureka Heights Brewery. They would Mm. put together a Smash Brothers tournament. And one of my designs... What's the Smash Brothers tournament? Smash Brothers Nintendo 64? I don't know about Smash Brothers, but I know about Nintendo 64. But my yeah. brothers had James Bond on it like for 24 hours a day until their fingers were like they'd worn away the fingerprints. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, that, that was the way to do it. But um, I'm trying to find it. Um, but anyway. Mario that, Brothers. Huh? No. Not it's, Mario it's like brothers. brothers, but they're all fighting each other. Ah, okay. Anyway, 
<laughs> but that you know, setting up at those markets is kind of how I uh, met Evan because he saw that one shirt uh, that I'm telling you about, and he loved it. And then we just started talking to uh, just talking a bit, and he's like, "Oh, do you print your own?" I'm like, "Yeah, I would love to print your stuff if you ever need it and all that." And um, another thing is to just whenever you do events like that, don't just treat it like a transaction. Yeah. Piece of advice that I would give you is like, uh, yeah, you'd like to sell, you know, the, the product, but if you get to learn more about people just making small talk, uh, I find it that they will be more likely to remember you if they ever need any any sort of work done. Yeah, um, it's because you were you were cool to them, you know. Yeah, make it, make it uh, a little bit more than just a transaction. Yeah. I suppose if you're not like a naturally outgoing person, you might find it difficult to do that type of stuff and drum up that trade. So you might even have to like onboard someone who's quite outgoing to be like the the face of your business while you're just like a hermit in the back doing the printing and like send the send the the yeah the uh, the big talker out to the streets to drum up those relationships i suppose hmm. yeah it wasn't easy for me at first but uh my wife was the one that um i remember one of the first times that she came to me at one of the markets i set up the table you know put out my shirts and everything and then i brought out the lawn chairs and she said what is that and i go yeah chairs she's like what do you want them for it's like to sit it's like no you're not <laughs> you need to yeah. you know, talking to people and just making more connections. And then I thought like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's, yeah. uh, and that, and, and since then, I, I feel like I, that kind of flipped a little switch on me that, uh, you know, reframed my thinking, um, yeah. to how to just be more, just how to connect with people more. Yeah. Literally get off your ass. <laughs> You're not allowed to sit down. Um, so like, is, is your wife involved in the business or like, what does your team look like? No, um, yeah, so it's me, and then I have three employees. I've got mm -hmm. my print lead, print assist, and then I have one guy that I started training to do a hybrid role to help me with computer work, invoicing, and all that mm -hmm. because it's becoming a little, uh, a little much at the moment. Happy to report, but um, so yeah, I'm training, I'm training him to do the hybrid role since it's kind of what I used to do at another studio, so I know all it right, can be done. Okay. okay. Um, by that, you mean you're treating, you're getting him to do invoicing, but then say if one of your printers was off sick, would he be able to drop, drop into that? Like cross-trained? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Actually happened Did today. Then. All right. Yeah. Okay. Our apprentice's kid had a fever and he couldn't make it in, had to take him to the doctor and all that. So instead of him, uh, invoicing and all that, he just went and jumped back there. But, um, when the print lead and print assist are here, he's still over there catching and packaging orders. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is a, like a, a question you might not even have an answer. It might just be like, it felt right to do. But like when you're hiring somebody else for a role, do you have like a plan on when you know that you're ready to hire them? Like, do you save up? Like one one tactic from like this accountant guy was like, save up three months wages so that you know that you can afford to have them on or are you just overwhelmed with work and then you know you can hire or how do you know <laughs> great question um well 
I do believe that it's better to how, how do we go hire for hire for attitude, train for skill, right? Mm-hmm. That's that right. Yes. And so the last two guys that I hired, the print assistant and the guy doing the hybrid role, they had no experience in screen printing at all. Um, but they just wanted to be part of something creative, which is, and this is in their own words. They said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't have experience, but I love everything you're doing, the creative aspect of it. And it just looks like a fun place to work. Are you hiring? And so, you know, yeah. brought them in, showed them those YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. screens, And uh, yeah, they've gotten, they fit in pretty well. Okay. And then like when you're training them, are you literally sitting in front of the YouTube videos or are they shadowing you doing the work first, like loading and catching and folding? Because I know you've got a special folding. It's not a special folding technique, but you do that. You do that fold a shirt without the folder, don't you? (laughs) Do they have to know how to do that or are they allowed to pull back on the folding machine? (laughs) Yeah, just whatever makes it easier for them. I tell them like, look, this is how I do it. This works for me. If you have another way that works for you and it's quick and efficient and it looks good, it gets what needs to you know be done, then yeah, by all means go ahead. I'm not uh, you know, there's some things that you do have to be like, no, this is how you should do it. But there mm-hmm. are other things where you obviously can be a little more, more yeah. open. Mm-hmm. I think the the biggest fear with a lot of screen printers having like a print lead, for example, is uh-huh. that the quality control that you've got in your own head is is quite difficult to like give that over to somebody else to have like the same standard as you. Like, is that just like pure trust or are you seeing things and you're like, "Eh, it's not quite bad enough to redo, but I don't want to call him on it and like knock his confidence or how are you dealing with that type of thing? That's a good point. Um, It is hard to just let go of it because as the owner, as a boss, it just makes sense for you to step away from production and just let it take care of itself. And you do your best to set up kind of like quality control guidelines and saying what what's working and what's not. And uh, just leave it up to them. And I feel like they have gotten a, a really good sense of what is expected from the finished product and just making them understand that when something does go wrong, not caring uh, for something, even if it's just one, two prints, it's only going to come back to them. (laughs) So, um, Mm -hmm. well, to all of us really, but starting with me, because I'm going to be the first person to hear it. And then I will probably not be happy about it to see that how something went out the door and the way it did. And mm-hmm. then they're just going to have to reprint it. So it was just get it done right. And yeah, yeah I'm never, I never rush them. I just say like, this is what we need to do today. Just take your time, make sure it's perfect. And okay. uh, for, for the most part, I like to say it, it goes that way. Yeah. Okay. Trust thing. But are these the first batch of employees that you've had? Or have you ever like had to hire someone, realize they're a little bit like not... Not as you expected uh, or not like hitting the standards. No, you just you just lucked out in your first ones. No, definitely not. Oh, <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, no, re- I have had some some employees that I had to let go. And I just I felt like it was the best thing for 
for both of us. And uh, yeah, they're they're doing well. It wasn't I didn't fire them in like a you know nasty way or anything like that. It was just like this is not working out. I've told you uh, we keep having the same problem, and I'm just not having it. So it's you know better okay. for us our ways. Like, um, I'm I'm actually in the process of like hiring a few people at the moment. Well, I've actually okay. just hired them, but how would you lay out like disciplinary things? Because like I don't want to ever be in a place where like it's like a three strike rule or anything like that. But you're right. saying like the like for example, you had to let someone go because they'd done the same thing repeatedly in a bad way. Are you like bringing that up in like weekly? meetings or you just keep catching it and they keep just not responding accurately or like how are you tracking that disciplinary procedure yeah it just as soon as you spot it if it's you know the same problem over and over again you just have to either pull them aside be like we've talked about this why is it still happening you're better than that type thing you know um and it's worked out for the most part, but you know, there's been a couple of times where it hasn't. Yeah. Decisions have to be made. Yeah. The thing is, if I wasn't the boss, I would have been fired because I do shit wrong all the oh, time. I <laughs> like, am not yeah, yeah. Absolutely I'm so not. I'm just glad I'm unfireable at this point. Not Unless there's like a coup. <laughs> like, yeah. Get me out, which yeah. I can understand. I'll just go and potter around in my own. I don't know what I'd do, but like, um, do you know, like how you're, you're building up this structure below you? Have you got like the ambition to like leave the studio at some point and just let it run on its own or like, what's like the end goal, like size wise for you, for this, for the studio, for the shop? I mean, well, yeah, it would be ideal for it to run itself at some point while I just focus on growing business. Mm-hmm. whether that's through bringing more sales or just, I don't know, maybe expanding into a, a bigger space or introducing mm-hmm. a grocery or different services. Uh, yeah. It, it, it makes sense for, for me to not be needed here. Yeah. And, uh, I feel like, and, and we're not too far from that. Okay. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm looking at the trajectory of your shop and like how many staff you've got. And I haven't seen anyone have like a relatively small press, but more staff where you've like hired instead of gone like bigger with the equipment. Do you know what I mean? Because you're saying you've got like a small press, didn't you? Yeah. 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 So like you're, you're thinking manpower is more important than like the equipment size, but you're still like like putting out a really decent amount of. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, there's no point on having the, you know, nicest piece of equipment if you don't have the staff that's ready to to handle it and work it. Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, I do agree with that. I feel like if we had a, a bigger press, we would be able to take on more challenging orders, which I'm all about. But at the time, because of, of the space, uh and I guess budget is not something that we that we can do right now in the near mm-hmm. future. I I feel like we can that we will be able to. But yeah, definitely manpower. Uh, just 
having people that have that willingness to not just work for themselves, but work as a, as a team environment, which is something Mm -hmm. that I like to, uh, you know, make very clear from the point that new people are hired is that we work here as a team and have them understand how, you know, the mistakes of one person can hurt the the, the entire process, even starting with me. Mm -hmm. And, um, when you have people that do buy into that culture, I feel like you can you can achieve some really great things. Yeah, because like real estate over in Texas, especially, is incredibly expensive. I, I've heard from the other studios. Is that like the case, or are you having to? Are you thinking like, right, if I want to go bigger, I've got to go out of town a little bit more? Is that something you're prepared to do? Um, I would like to keep it in in town where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's just not realistic, then I'll just have to find something else. Uh, but yeah, I'm not aggressively looking right now to make mm. that change. But I, I do keep my eye out, driving around some nice areas, see what's around. Yeah, take a couple of pictures of the you know for sale, for lease, sign, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cheeky little cheeky little Google. Um, yeah. I was just um, so. Are you getting walk-in customers? Like, is it actually like really important for you to be in town? Because I've also seen that some studios have just gone, I don't want the walk-in customers anyway. And I know you're integrated into the community, but could you be out in the sticks and be just as successful at this point? That's a good question. Um, I don't know if it's just me being stubborn and just wanting to stick around, but my reasoning for that is that there's so much, um, you know, there's like a boom going on in this area. There's a mm. lot of new businesses coming around. And, uh, you know, along with the breweries, uh, the schools that make it very convenient for us to to link up with them. Okay. And uh, that's, I feel like if I were to move out um, uh, out of the city, it would make some clients hesitant to come pick up the order but then again i could also just offer you know shipping right so that would be an easy fix but i I don't know i like i like to be able to invite people in and not have it be a whole uh insane drive which in houston i don't know if you knew this yeah is an hour away from houston wow yeah so it can get it can get wild so staying central definitely helps Okay, I understand. And then I know people who are listening don't won't be able to see this, but maybe they could just go and look it up. But like, can you tell me about the flag that you've made? Because uh, it's about it's about well, your town and stuff. You're briefly telling me about it, weren't you? Yeah. So this is the Texican flag, and basically it's <laughs> a in uh, a little bit of my sweat stains probably because it is Texas. Um, <laughs> it's a. Uh, I just took the you know the folk art graphic that is the uh, Mexican sarape and I married it with the Texas flag which is why I call it the Texan flag and yeah just to celebrate the culture in Texas Mexican culture in Texas yeah and uh, it's really cool yeah. um because also, also there is a niche on YouTube that I think you could actually really um yeah do well on is that no. there aren't many like because you you're bilingual aren't you so you're doing like YouTube videos, but you're doing them in English, but mm-hmm. that like, that's quite a saturated market. So right. what, what's some, what's some 
uh, YouTube channels are doing now is they're getting all of their English speaking videos translated so that all like the Spanish speaking countries and can all understand them. But there, yeah. there's not enough of them yet, but they're really, really popular. So is, is that have, something you're focusing on? Yeah. I have thought about it. Yes, it is something yeah. that I want to do a little more. I do have mm. one or two of my uh, tutorial or how-to YouTube videos, both in English and Spanish. Mm. Uh, but I definitely do want to want to do some more. But yeah. I'm sure you know, any YouTube video, even if it's two minutes long, it's going to take you quite some time to edit. Um, hmm. Yeah. I mean, I still have fun with it, but it is very time consuming. Yeah. Cause like Mr. Mr. Beast is like the biggest YouTuber in the world. And he actually is the person who like made me think of that because he gets a whole production crew to so every single video he makes. He has uh, Mr. Beast in Espanol. So <laughs> he's got like the, the Spanish speaking version. And that one actually does better than his English speaking one, just because of the really? amount of people who speak Spanish. So it's like, it makes like monetary sense as well. So it's, yeah, I think there's a huge gap in the market for like eloquent Spanish speaking YouTube videos. Cause like, yeah, there's like hundreds of the English ones. And I would, I would kill to have that as a skill, like doing right. it in different languages and stuff. So yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. It'll only make me want to do it more and more now. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, why are you called Goose? Or is that, like, from your childhood or something? Or like... Well, um, my name being Gustavo, when I moved here to the States from Mexico, um, kids in school can pronounce it. So they would <laughs> call me, they would call me either Gus or, or Goose. And I didn't like Gus, because it sounds like gas or something, and it just sounded <laughs> funny. So I was like, "Is like, what is your name, Goose?" I'm like, "Sure, why not?" And it's like Gustavo, but yes, call me Goose, fine. And then yeah. that's uh, that's where that came from uh, when I was how old, how old was I? Thirteen, I think, when I moved here. And, um, and yeah, when it came time to name the business, it was I was just bouncing ideas around like goose prints or goose threads or something and then it landed on goose works yeah 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 because mm -hmm. goose is actually quite a cool nickname isn't it because it's like on top gun is yes. one of them called goose yeah yeah yes so yeah nice. it's cool enough it's <laughs> not just like people can't pronounce my name you can like be like the top gun guy um yeah um yeah. A, a little second ago you were talking about um perhaps introducing embroidery like is there a reason why you haven't done that yet? Or are you still, are you hesitant about it? Or what's that about? Um, well, A, I know nothing about it. <laughs> How to, apart from, you know, the the basics that are required just to get that, um, mm. you know, to, to put in a, an order in whenever I outsource it. Um, but yeah, just the equipment, the space, and then just... Um, making the investment to learn it and yeah. uh, then bringing in uh, probably another team member to, to handle that. Um, but yeah, first I just, I would like to get the screen printing aspect of it just totally solid. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, me being able to step away from it without having to worry too much about it. 
Um, but yeah, I would like to get into embroidery okay. because okay. you know it'll only make it, it only makes sense. Yeah, and also we turn t-shirts around super fast. I cannot keep my guys busy enough, and it's it doesn't feel great when you tell someone that their embroidery order is going to be ready 15 days later after their t-shirt. So I don't like doing that. So it's something that I would love to change. Yeah. Um, Do you think that's something that your shop prides itself on? Like the, the speed, like say if you've got like speed quality and what's the other one, speed quality Uh, and price, like which, which are your two that you're like aiming to serve with the biggest priority? Hmm question because you can't always have three right mm. probably probably speed and quality yeah <laughs> that's a right, good place we'll to work be. with your budget if you know if it works for me cool yeah you're like go down there if you want it cheaper are you are you a bit like that or are you like bartering with people and saying oh let me have a look at that price for you or in you some cases in mm. some cases you can kind of tell when people just when it's not going to work with yeah. some people and they're just looking for, you know, the cheapest deal. And there's been some, it's funny you bring it up because about three weeks ago, we had two clients come back that went to someone that could do it cheaper. Mm. And, you know, whenever they told me with the price that they were getting somewhere else, I was like, that's a great price. I cannot match it. It makes no sense for me to work with that price, but good luck, you know, <laughs> I hope it works out. If not, you know where to find us. Yeah. You know, I wasn't upset or rude or anything. You know, it's just like, you know, if it makes sense for you, it makes sense for your business. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, they came back and um, their price was not the same. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it's, it's what it is, you know? Yeah. Because I did see that you didn't like, you've done deals. You do like 100 shirts for $500, don't you? But you're just explaining. This is black ink on a white shirt, one-sided. Yes. This is as simple as it gets. This is what you're getting for five hundred dollars. So, right. like, what are you are you doing? Those kind of deals just to just to show that you're you are a reasonable price, or like, do you want people to actually take that exact deal and like come to you with it, or what's the thing behind um, that? Just to reach out to new clientele. Mm-hmm. See, uh ask people to share it with people that uh, other businesses that think might benefit from it, offer yeah. it to our current, to our current uh, clients as a, you know, thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And, and it's worked out okay. people that, that went for it ended up staying with us. So it's a good, it's a good tool, good incentive. Are you getting them in the door with that, that $500 offer and then saying, now that's on a lower price shirt. Now, can I upsell you to this shirt? Like, are you suggesting better options oh. for garments and that type of thing? Once, yeah, once you've got if they're them interested. In? Yeah, mm. it, if they're interested, for sure. Uh, I do tell them I'm always up front. You know, this is the shirt that we're going to print on. Is that okay? And then if they say, well, what else do you have? Okay, we can work you a deal with this or that and uh, and go from there. But definitely not misle- misleading them. <laughs> No, no, not misleading, but I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I know it, that, that's getting, not what you were implying. Yeah. 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 
because a lot of the like entry level shirts, they're not the shirts that you want to be known for printing on, but they sound better in the deals. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. Um, I've also seen this thing, and I I think it does split the screen print community a bit with pricing. And some people like don't put anything on the garments, like don't put a percentage on the garments. And then some people go, Why wouldn't you? Of course you do. And then you pay for the printing. Like, how how are you with that? Are you charging quite a lot for the printing and not much for the garments? Or how do you figure that out? Yeah. So I do mark up the garment just a little bit because it does. The way I heard it at a um, seminar is that mm-hmm. it, it costs something to get it in the door. So you do mark it up, whether it is to round up to the nearest dollar or whatever. I do mm-hmm. do that. Um, there's other items like your higher end fashion products, like you know Los Angeles apparel that you know are going to be sold for thirty five, forty dollars, mm-hmm. and you know there is a bit of bit a bit of a markup there. Um, just because it's you know higher end product, we also take more care okay. with it whenever we print on it. Um, but yeah, for in general, like all your Gildan next level Bell Canvas stuff, we just round it up to the nearest uh, right. nearest dollar, fifty cents, whatever. Okay, this yeah, seems a little doing? bit like varied. Like, aren't you going to get like hardly if the price goes up by? 20 cents then you're not getting any profit on your garment margins I, I don't know i put a percentage on it so it doesn't matter if the price fluctuates during the year but yeah. it looks like you, your your margins will fluctuate as the price does no yeah i mean i have the printing price right and mm-hmm. i have it uh kind of separated into different and by volume you know different uh yeah. unit rates and then to it, I add the price of the garment, whatever it is at the time, so like okay. market price, if you will. Uh, because okay. Especially, you know, with the pandemic, with shortages and everything, uh, stuff was just just kept going up and uh, and not even being there. So I found that doing that just made it um, a bit, you know, allowed us to be a bit more transparent with our clients. Okay. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Because like when you're getting a better deal, but it never comes down. <laughs> the price just kept going up, right? Like the cotton the price was going yeah. astronomical. And then yeah. the cotton price went down. And then our price for the garments didn't come down in line with that. I know it has to, you have to have a knock-on effect in the industry, but it feels like we're getting a bit screwed at the moment with all that. Just goes up and up and up and up and never comes down. So yeah. um is that how you price the, your stuff? Uh, we've got like a flat rate percentage on it. And then whatever the order is, we'll have, we'll put on a set figure for say, if we messed up a shirt or I don't know, we needed to get another shirt in, we'd put like a, a, like a maybe 20, 30 quid just so that we can replace that shirt and pay for delivery of like one or two garments if needed as well. And then we've got the flat rate printing price on top. Um, we that do rush you. orders. Yeah, we we did rush orders. I don't do much client work at the moment because I'm focusing on our own stuff. But yeah, we've yeah. got rush order fees. Uh, just charge for, we charge quite heavy because we're so small. No one's coming to us for the best price. They okay. would go to the big auto shops. They're coming to us for like 
quality. Luxury. Yeah, it's it's always like the luxury small brands, like the streetwear okay. brands and the breweries. And um, that's good because those people are the pickiest, the most particular one with their with their orders. Yeah. So if they're coming back and bringing more people your way, that means you're doing a really great job. Yeah, it's. I, I think so because um, yeah, when, the, your order is never just going to be a number with a shop that's as small as this, like a manual right. shop that does. Mm-hmm. We do unusual things, like you guys do unusual things, and you're a you're a relatively smaller shop. You're not like doing the Super Bowl, I guess. So right. <laughs> you're not going to be able to compete with like night owls. So right. yeah, they're they're just on. They probably wouldn't do foils right. though. Well, maybe they do. Maybe they're so big they can do unusual shit as well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Can I ask you this? And I don't like, it's quite a controversial topic, but it's something that is cropping up in the industry quite a lot at the moment, is mm-hmm. the the way that the manufacturers of the actual garments are like being custodians of the of the whole thing so like how they're treating the garment workers how they're like sourcing the cotton and all this type of thing are you aware of like what next level and gildan are up to at the moment are you are you guiding like if, if someone comes in and says oh what's the best t-shirt are you going like gildan next level or are you guiding them to a more a, a different type of brand that's more ethically aware or is that just not a concern for the customers um, I did see a few months back something about a statement that I think it was Bella Canvas that they released that mm-hmm. everything is sourced responsibly. And I didn't hear anything after that. But mm. is Dark Gildan the next level doing shady stuff or I think I think the information's on the internet. And it's not something that I work with anymore, but um, I think it's definitely something that people need to Google and be aware of. Um, So it's just, it's just shady. And, um, but yeah, just, you can just look, you could just look up like their, their, the way that they have like environmental reports. So for example, like if someone does an environmental report at the end of the year and they're a manufacturer and it's 50 pages deep and they've got loads of examples, great. Mm-hmm. If their environmental report is two pages saying we're yeah. 10% better than last year, that's like that's red flags because okay. 10% better environmentally than last year is still shit. It could be like, you know, you did one tiny thing and it's still not helping anyone. I don't know. But like what blanks what blanks do you like to point people towards? Well, I don't want to answer that, man. <laughs> no, but like <laughs> well, I will say the next level is a is one of the big ones. Is, um, is it like a premium? Like if someone says I want a really nice like durable shirt, like is that what the breweries are going for and stuff? Yeah. Uh I mean we've had no issues with it in terms of it shrinking. And mm. just how long it lasts. So then that's why I recommend it. Yeah. And uh Gildan, not so much. It just depends. You know, I you know, you ask the I like to ask the client what problem it is that they're trying to solve, you know, whether it's just yeah. to get the message for, you know, a day or you know, the the run of whatever. 
then mm -hmm. something that they're not going to sell, just give away, then yeah, go with a lower price point item yeah. like, like Gildan. And then if they want to sell it, do some merchandise, then either Next Level or Bella Canvas. And then if they want to go beyond that, then there's, you know, Los Angeles Apparel, which has been trending a lot lately, even mm -hmm. here. When they, when it's like a nine ounce heavy shirt, I don't know why, but <laughs> it's trending a lot. Uh, so yeah, just it's depending on what what they're looking for. Is what? is that LA is LA Apparel like a real fashion centric brand? Like, is it for streetwear and that type of thing? Is yes. that why people are going uh -huh. for it? Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And are they like pushing like organic cotton or anything like that, or is it just is it like the cut that people are going for? Yeah, the oversized cut. drop shoulder. Yeah, drop shoulder overfit. Yeah, with the you know collar that chokes you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in like hundred degree heat, which you yes. just don't get. But why? Like, <laughs> so, like, how have you found um, that the different garments react to all the different inks that you're using? Because you've got so many. Like, mm -hmm. some must not discharge as well as others. Like, absolutely. What, so, say if I came in and I'm like, okay, I'm a fashion brand. I want like a real retail quality finish and I want it to be vibrant. Like how are you, how are you guiding them to the different inks versus like the type of garments that they're coming in with wanting to have? Um, just through the trial and error that we've done. Um, I know that. Some colors don't discharge as well as others. Some fabrics don't do the same. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we have the discharge ratings from each company. All right. Okay. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they're pretty accurate. Sometimes they can't. They, they can not be. Um, and also just trying to figure out again if they want like a vintage look shirt or just trying to find what the overall goal is yeah. what what uh, what sort of brand they are what their clients are going to like mm. that's you know just getting to know a little bit of what it is that they're trying to solve that's yeah. how you you guide them through it is it that you've got like a real rail of all the different things and you literally just like and they can come and feel the shirts and try them on in in the yeah. shop or yeah okay yeah. we yeah. have a few a few samples here in our lobby of the uh, yeah. the usual suspects that they might yeah. be interested in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I also saw that you do like promotional stuff, promotional products. Yeah. Um, when I when I've looked into doing promo products in the past, the the range is just just ludicrous, right? There's like hundreds and hundreds of different things that you can possibly do. Like, yes. what are you finding is the easiest and the most profitable? thing to suggest to people like to add like so say if they're coming to you for shirts and you're like have you thought of this and this is a really easy thing for my studio to do and we're good at doing it yeah um let's see tote bags are pretty simple yeah um we've done a lot of koozies also which we like to add our logo to the bottom of the koozie also as a promo so that That's helped yeah. um you know, stickers, keychains, uh, buttons, everything that, again, because we work with a lot of breweries, they, mm -hmm. I believe there's a, there's a law that they 
can't, whatever it is that they have to pay no more than 99 cents for it. What? If they're going to give it away. What? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Per item. And so they're looking for, you know, lower cost, easy giveaway things. And uh, that's where pens come in and the, the koozies and what else? Just looking around, see what else they've done. Little that lawyer is crazy. Yeah. Is that like a te- Texan thing? It's the TABC, that- the Texas Alcohol Beverage Commission, something like that. That's what I heard oh, from one of the okay. I could oh, okay. be getting it wrong. So but, it's in the brewery niche. That's okay. All right. Yes. I thought it was like yeah. a no, statewide no, no, like- thing that if you can't <laughs> give away something that's under a dollar, no. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. Okay, I understand. And then for those pins and things, you must be sending those away to be made. You can't be making them in house, can you? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Work with sticker meal quite a bit. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've got sticker meal here too. Yeah, there's a few others. Good catalog. A good catalog of um, promotional people. Okay. Um, And then. I just wanted to ask you one final question, which was like, did you have an unpopular opinion in the industry that you keep hearing other people say and you just like can't stand? Uh, <laughs> probably DTG. As a whole. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, just the whole thing. I can't. Right. Makes, from a business standpoint, I don't think... For me, it doesn't make sense. I don't know if there's shops that all they specialize in is just walk-ins and they have, you know, 30 or 50 of these machines and they print little, uh, you know, bachelor party shirts. It's like two or three with each design or whatever. But I, I cannot. No, I can't comprehend it. It's, as a business model or as a product? Both. The product okay. isn't good either. And I keep hearing that, you know, it's getting better and it's going to take the place of screen printing and that, uh, you know, the quality and the customer service and the maintenance is going to get uh, easier. And it's just, why? If it's not broken, don't fix it. You know, at the time yeah. that you print one t-shirt with DTG, you already printed 50, 60 on the automatic parts. You know what I mean? Mm. I do see where you're going, but then in the UK, we just had something happen where we like got M&R just put the first Polaris in. The Polaris, have you seen the Polaris thing? It's like a hybrid screen print DTG million pound thing. And you're like, the digital squeegee. Yeah. Right. Is it the same as the digital squeegee? I think Polaris digital squeegee. It's very similar, like in your head, like that's probably what it's, what it's going towards. So, yeah. Surely that is gonna like say if someone put that next to you in the mm-hmm. in the ne- like on the next street and he's got a Polaris. Right. And and then you're limited towards like four colors or something. Surely right. he's gonna eat eat the business up, but he's a hybrid, not a pure screen printer. But you're not scared of that, like not worried about that. No. I uh <laughs> I'm not because I don't know. They also, I don't know. I feel like my clientele would keep working with me Mm -hmm. uh, because I I 
take a more personal approach into every order. Okay. Yeah. I feel like they appreciate that. Um, and I don't know how colorful can you get? <laughs> you know, that you, you know, when I buy the next bigger press, I feel like we'll be able to achieve so much more. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I would. And they'll see I'm, I'm on the same. I'm, I'm on the same thing as you. Like, I yeah, think, right. I, I do think that, and I don't think the you're going to lose your business. Help. No, but I'm also thinking, am I being blind to it? Because you can generate art now and get the Polaris to print it in like five minutes. So am I, am I just being naive? Are we like riding horses and they've got a Ferrari and we're like, horses will always be needed. Like, and then yeah. we're like, actually that you just get turned into glue. So I don't know. Um, I what you're saying, but also a lot of the people that I print for, they're reselling well, their shirts, right? Mm, so yes. I feel like they can tell the quality and mm. also sense how, um, you know, once you wash it, they can tell the difference and the longevity of screen printing versus digital. So yeah. that's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried. Yeah. I suppose right. like if you stick, if you become known for your foils and your unusual printing mm-hmm. techniques as well, it's going to take those machines a little bit longer to do that. But then I'm saying that, but then they 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 can do 3D prints. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm I want screen print to last and be a craft that everyone appreciates, like vinyl records. But right. my my vision on it is that vinyl, like vinyl, was the king. Then we're going to get kicked and hardly any of us are going to survive. And then there's going to be a resurgence again. And then vinyl is cool again. So I'm just like waiting for this kicking where digital like eats us up. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've also done DTF. Have you? Like, what, what are your feelings on that? <laughs> it's, it's good. It's gotten me out of trouble with, you know, a short run of shirts with very colorful design. And mm-hmm. we were able to do it, but even then, it just takes so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to press it and then cold peel, or I don't know, it doesn't peel. Well, yeah, it does peel. And then you have to press it again. So that it's just, if I had 20 heat presses, it would make sense. Mm-hmm. And then to make the investment to buy a DTF machine, it's just ridiculous. When you're going to get that return, I have no idea. Yeah. And uh, I just, it doesn't financially, it doesn't make sense. If I were to take out, you know, a loan and then push for nothing but DTF, then maybe. Mm. But the way that I'm set up, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's just in it, very particular cases that I will do it. And even then, like, I'm not super happy with the finished product, mm. but. It's what the client either agreed on or I explained it to them. Like, look, this is very colorful. You only want 20 of them. This is how we're going to do it. Is that okay? Like, yes. Mm. All right. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you're really having to put that disclaimer out. You're like, this is not my normal thing. This is like making a chef do like a ham sandwich. <laughs> and yes. you're like, okay, yes. I understand. 
Yeah. Okay. I like that your 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 whole answer to the to the question was just DTG. I actually had a DTG guy on last week. And yeah. I was I'm like softening to the idea that not all DTG is the same. Do you know okay. what I mean? Because I know that not all DTF is the same, because you do get like DTF transfers that are just like printed on those machines, and then you get hybrid stuff. Right. which is normally like the um the ultra colors and the super colors like they are better than the DTF than you're going to get from the guy next door who got duped right. into buying a DTF printer at the trade show and now he's like yeah. trying to flock it by the meter as quickly as he can and it's broken down on him five times already yeah and then again like your shop compared to a, a, a sh- uh somebody else's like you can't just say your screen prints the same because right. you might have like better standards or you just might care more you might just be able to print better so yeah i'm, I'm leaning towards that there's good dtg and bad dtg but yeah. i'm not i'm not quite convinced yet and you know <laughs> no disrespect to anybody that does dtg dtf if you're able to you know make it work and it's your business model and it's working then yeah perfect but it's just not not something that we're we're interested in Okay. What is right. your unpopular screen printing opinion? I've got too many. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest awesome. one is Gildan. They they pissed me off the other day, actually. Ah. They're trying to like the amount of stuff that I say about them. And then they're like, going onto my social media and saying, oh, we want you to be like an ambassador for us. And I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like the, I'm like the anti, you're like the gun rally and I'm like the anti-gun person at your protest or something. Like, right. You couldn't find a worse <laughs> ambassador for your brand. Yes. Yeah. It's like you haven't looked at any of my content then and then you're trying no. to get me to be on your side. I don't know if they're just trying to convert me over, but it's not working. They're like, oh, I'll give you $500 and a box of T-shirts. I'm like, shove your box of T-shirts. There's no way any of your money's coming in here. Anyway, that's yeah. my popular opinion. Everyone like, knows that already. <laughs> you mean you don't need drop tops after you wash them once? I No, I'm all right. <laughs> I don't want to be associated with them at all. But now I'm like accidentally being associated with them because I hate them so much. So it's like, it's gone the other way. So as long I need as to stop talking about clear. them. <laughs> Yeah, I love them. I love Gordon. I love everything they do. I, I am their ambassador. Yeah, if you see me switch and then mm-hmm. like have some fancy and like fancy clothes on that week, you know that I took the money. Um, yeah. But <laughs> if you see my my rough t shirt as usual, you know that I stuck to my morals. Yeah, we call you a bit. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> So like um if you're a new printer, you can go and like watch your YouTube videos to like kind of get that that kind of like insight. And then if you're just in the Texas area, you're like and you're and you want to bring a case of beer, then you're the guy to come and see to print the shirts, I guess. Yeah. We will work with the one, you know, as long yeah. as it's not, you know, either insanely offensive or you know, anything like that. But yeah, we'll work with pretty much. <laughs> and if they okay. have some here for us, then welcome. <laughs> yeah, your shirts might go out faster and neatly folded. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. This is fun. Okay. Take care. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Bye.